and welcome back preparing for the unexpected live james we are into our last hour i guess the, the hour number doesn't matter we're in the last one we're in the final countdown it's gotten eerily quiet yeah yes. uh, in the exhibit hall i feel like we should whisper i feel like we might have to be uh like when they commentate on a golf tournament is where we might end up today our <laughs> final hour of day two of the broadcast sponsored by illuminate advisory the risk advisory firm inspiring organizations to harness the power of risk alex we have about 12 hours worth of topics that we're going <laughs> to kind of lightning around through 45 minutes what do you think oh let's go let's see what we what we cover so i think first thing we follow up with brock mentioned uh the inaugural yeah. issue of the dri canada magazine I have two copies. These are volume one, number one. I think we missed the opportunity. We should have had Brock or Chloe sign this. Yeah, we should have. And we could put it on eBay. No, wait, that's, that's the American <laughs> version. But uh, if you are part of TRI Canada, we were looking through this magazine during the break. It's fantastic. It's in English and French. Mm -hmm. Every article, very exciting. Uh, high quality magazine. Looking forward to reading this and i fully expect alex to be contributor to issue two well i i have to contribute because uh, brock is in there yep. and uh benoit benoit if you see it hey mm -hmm. um i work with him with a, a dri as well so um there's two contributors so yes i have to contribute something and you should too. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll even write it in French, even though I haven't taken French I'd since high school. I'd love to see that. <laughs> about that. We want to say uh, good luck to all of our friends who are global finalists. The BCI awards are happening uh, right now. If you're a BCI member, all of the regional winners are shortlisted for the global awards, which is occurring now. So good luck to all of the finalists mm -hmm. and congratulations for being a finalist let's uh let's hop right in well we've got some light topics to cover in 45 minutes um so alex you had mentioned something earlier that i wrote down so one i actually pay attention every once in a while uh, wait wait but, but do take <laughs> do take some notes um you said we should discuss how to guide new industry professionals but with this wrinkle and this is the part i wrote down how to accept their takes on activities. So share some of your thoughts on that. I was coming from the direction uh, thinking that in our industry, we have a lot of people that have been around for a long time, um, reaching retirement age and leaving the industry. So with, uh, what's that? Sorry, oh. <laughs> my, my computer is taking over. I keep muting. Uh, and someone keeps unmuting, which oh. is kind of terrifying because <laughs> it's not me. So I was thinking a lot of people in our industry are retiring. They've been around for a long time, which is great. Um, they have uh, a lot of people that have been around for a long time really adhere to the traditional way of doing uh, our industry, you know, BIAs, risk assessments, and, you know, in specific orders and uh, certain deliverables and doing things certain ways. That was good when we started back before uh, Y2K, because um, some of that was actually brand new when I started in 96. So that has carried through and that traditional uh, piece is 
continuing on and some of these people have been doing it for that long, but they're leaving. And we've been trying to get new people into the industry and things have changed. So as these people come in, they're going to have different perceptions. They're going to see things differently. They're going to have different experiences. And I think that as good as some of and we kind of touched on this earlier with some of the standards and guidelines, it, it's still good that there's this foundation to build upon, but we also have to be able to uh, bring new people in with fresh ideas on how to do things. Businesses, the way they do business is different. You know, the, the business uh, climate, the, the tools that are available uh, to businesses are different. So that's going to bring new ways of doing things, new ways of thinking. And I think as we bring new people on board, they're going to be bringing some of that new thinking and new experiences that we haven't experienced before. Because, you know, we're not, you know, for, forgive me for saying this, we're not 25 years younger, you know, I wish we even were. though we wish we were. <laughs> you know? You know, so they're going to have new ideas. And I think we need to be uh, welcoming of that rather than, you know, we sure we, we may train to get them started based on the foundations, but let them build from there and contribute, you know, hey, here's a new way of doing that. Here's a new, new thought that maybe no one had um, identified before. And I think that's something that we need to look at rather than whether you're new or not, thou must follow X, Y, Z. And that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I think about what Chloe shared with us this morning, the professional practices for DRII are changing because the world has changed over the last five years. Mm -hmm. So of course the professional practices are changing. That makes sense. You have a certification body leading that typically organizations that are certifying bodies you often see are lagging behind what's happening. So here's a case, the DRI is leading the charge on that. So if the world is changing, if the profession is changing and we accept new ideas and new thoughts from our certifying bodies, why wouldn't we accept new ideas and new thoughts from mm -hmm. individuals new to the profession? When Regina spoke about, she was very much opposed to virtual exercises before the pandemic and mm -hmm. then realized how effective and great they are. We all, you know, we instantly didn't challenge her on that because she's established um, and successful in our industry. But there are people who um, are new to the profession mm -hmm. who have outstanding ideas yes. and we should be listening to them and, you know, thoughtfully considering the effect and power of those ideas. Yes. And I, I think the, that's also a way of getting them involved with our organizations as well. You know, if, if someone new comes in and they have some fresh ideas and new viewpoints, if you shut them down, well, then they're not going to want to contribute when you turn around and say, what, <clears throat> what, what is that? Uh, some breaking news here. I'm not sure. <laughs> what the, uh, your name is on the screen. We'll come back to that. Let me find some more news for you. Um, I'm going to take a screenshot of that. Uh, what, what the awarded to me? That's your name, right? Yeah. What? Uh, so for those of you who are not following along on my laptop, uh, I have the 
Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out. One sec, Des. I, I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know I was nominated. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening, Alex. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, I just won a BCI Global Award. It sounds like it. So I'm going to try and, and find what you won. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Second of all, I love that you don't know what you were nominated for. No, I don't. <laughs> so we've got a screenshot of that. Let's see if we can find some information. Our apologies to our wow. audience. Mr. Famous. I don't know what to say. This is fantastic. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know. We have people coming up to congratulate Alex, uh, and he's not sure what he's being congratulated for. Wow. That's... So we'll keep looking at that. Wow. When, when you get as famous as Alex, ladies and gentlemen, you can win global awards and not even know what's happening. Well, I, I guess I, we should have piped in that broadcast to this podcast. I, I didn't, I, like, I don't follow a lot of the awards because I, I, well, I just don't end up following them a lot. You know, I vote for people, but that's about it. I never worry about myself. So I, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if we find out what Alex won, we will come yeah. back to you. Yeah, I'd like to know. <laughs> wow. Well, still, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. Thank you, um, whoever, whoever or however I was nominated. And it's not often I can be speechless, but I'm, I am in this case. So thank you to everybody in the BCI. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, do. I don't know what to say. I'm, I am really surprised. It says you Shocked. have won the 2022 Achievement Award. That's all the information I have now. But as I get more information, I will continue to share it. I have a screenshot of the award. I wish I had a screenshot of you. Speechless does not happen not uh, often during a live broadcast. No, not, not to me. <laughs> I'm wow. not sure how we transition from that to our next topic. Well, let's try. <laughs> but thank, thank you, BCI. Thank you, everyone that obviously voted and um, nominated me. Um, when you don't know about it and you, you receive an award, I think that's the best. Uh, uh, any final thoughts, so Alex, if we can rope you back in, if possible, yeah. on accepting uh, people's activities or new people's thoughts and ideas. Uh, I think I covered everything, didn't I? I, I didn't I finish on? Uh, I think so, but I was kind of lost trying to figure out oh. what was happening. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I, okay, quick recap, I think then. Um, new people come in with new ideas. And I think instead of you know, forcing them to adhere to um, a traditional methodology of which I think is good for them to know so they understand the foundations of what things they need to consider, uh, bringing them on board and, and letting them communicate and uh, contribute these new ideas and, and thoughts that they have and we should be accepting to them. And it doesn't mean that because they have an idea, it's going to be adopted by everybody. It has to change everything, but it will give somebody who might be struggling at their role, hey, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? 
and could help them. I, so I think we should be accepting uh, of new ideas and new thoughts that come our way. Alex, I'm getting texts to my phone asking <laughs> me to congratulate you. <laughs> so I'm passing those along. Okay, Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We are we are at our last break at the Continuity and Resilience Today Conference Day 2. Dan Joyce, the conference organizer, is announcing two key things. One, there's some sweets and tracks, uh, treats, which people are circling in for. But two, in order to win any of the exhibit or raffle items, you have to be in attendance, which so, is going to drive. Uh, it's been very quiet in here. We're going to go from a golf tournament to a to football a rock match. concert. <laughs> yes. From one extreme right to the other. Yes. All right. So, Alex, another topic we wanted to cover uh, this week was return to office. Why the push by many organizations to have their employees return to office, even in the hybrid model? We've seen some companies with some extreme stances on this. So what are your thoughts on what's, what's the sense of urgency? And we'll set aside for ease of use here. We're not talking about um, companies or departments that have to be in person. So let's right. focus on the companies and organizations that maybe do not have to be in person. Well, overall, I, I think over the last two and a half, almost three years, we've proven that we can collaborate, we can do things at home. So overall, I think the push to bring people to the office in general is because companies have all these, uh, this real estate that they, they want to pay for. And there's an old style thinking of management that says, you're not working unless I can see you. You know, if you're here, then I know you're doing things. And it's a way of kind of keeping in, in, um, in people in check kind of thing. You know, like you've got to be doing things. I've got to see you doing things. And it's an old style. A way of thinking because more and more people want some sort of a hybrid model or they want to work from home all the time. People are now living in New Brunswick, sorry, New Brunswick, sorry, and applying for jobs in Vancouver, you know, on the other side of the country because of the new tools that are out there that allows them to do that. So why companies want to try and get things back. It's like, uh, I think yesterday we said, you let the cat out of the bag you know, with working from home and now organizations want to go back to what they had before because it's what they're most familiar with. You know, if they've taken management training or they've taken uh, courses on how to manage teams, it's all been focused on manager sits in one area and their team sits around them. And that's not the case anymore. So I think that's part of the, the, the struggle that I think a lot of leaders are having right now. I find it interesting. I want to go back to something you just said about, well, they have real estate. That's a really interesting argument or I guess poor argument for me. If we as a company, most companies are either focused on their customers, their employees, hopefully both. Mm -hmm. Real estate shouldn't come into that concern. I would actually argue that the more real estate you can get rid of, the better it is for your employees, for your investors, for your stakeholders, for your customers, because you have lower 
operating costs. Mm -hmm. You have more flexibility. And I've seen, uh, if you look at the insurance industry, often considered one of the most conservative industries, as it should be. Insurance companies are generally not known or have a business model for taking huge amounts of risk. We've seen several insurance companies in the United States who had always had that butts and seat mentality mm -hmm. that over the last year have said, we have a huge amount of assets and cash tied up in buildings. Our employees are working successfully at home. We're going to sell those real estate assets, free up that cash and invest it in other parts of the company that are, you know, where a better use of those resources. Yeah. I, I know I'm hearing in Toronto, there are a couple of office towers that are now, <coughs> excuse me, I'm losing my voice here after all these hours. They're, they're taking some of their tenants and moving them to lower floors and will convert the top, let's say, 10 floors to condos because there's so much empty space in their buildings nowadays. Uh, and I, I know a few people that work in facilities and they are getting rid of some of their real estate. But there are still people who think that because they have the real estate, then we got to put the people in there. We're paying for it. So come back to the office. Yeah, I think that's very short-sighted. Yes, I agree with you. So it doesn't matter what you did yesterday for your business. The business needs have changed. How you operate the business has changed. Yes. And it will continue to change. It always has. We're, there, we're, there's no way we're doing business the same way it was done in 1930 or the 50s or the 70s or the 2000s. You know, it, it's constantly changing. So, you know, this is just another one of those changes that we have to get used to or leadership and uh, managers have to get used to. Exactly. Um, Alex, let's look at as we wrap up CRT. There were a few sessions today. Mm -hmm. that I wanted to point out because uh, from a selfish standpoint, I think they, they help some of the arguments and conversations that we've had. So selfish motive here, <laughs> clearly. But three sessions here that stood out to me today. The first one, the title was Leading with Empathy, Lessons from COVID-19 and Beyond. We've talked a lot the last two days about the need for empathy, um, the need to be situationally aware. Uh, Regina talked about the need to make people cry, which yeah. probably doesn't fit in there. That's not really em em empathic, is it? <laughs> <laughs> kind of goes against that, doesn't no, it? No, <laughs> it's the opposite of that. But I thought it was interesting that there was an entire session dedicated on empathy. Another session that stood out to me, the impacts of stress in emergency mm. management. I think prior to COVID, we didn't spend enough time talking about the impact of stress to private sector business continuity professionals. I think there's this growing understanding that our first responders um, are under a lot of stress that affects them and how can we support them? How can we ar uh, arm them with the tools and resources needed to manage that stress we haven't spent a lot of time historically talking about the stress of being private sector response. Mm -hmm. And as Brock said, we are not saying that business continuity professionals are the same as a surgeon. 
Right. But we do make decisions that impact organizations at a high stakes level. There's or stress. make the recommendations for decisions. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we aspire to make the decisions. <laughs> but there's stress that happens. There's stress that happens. Uh, I experienced it in a minor way, private sector response to a hurricane. And I did not have any personal Nothing happened to my family. Nothing happened to my friends. Nothing happened to my house. I was the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. There was levels of stress there that lingered. Um, and so it's great for me to see more of our profession speak about stress in the profession. We should be able to talk about it and not kind of bury that part of our profession in the, in the shadows. Your thoughts on that? Well, that comes down to, you know, the, the stress is, you know, that being able to talk about well-being, you know, and what being able to communicate your thoughts and creating a culture that allows you to um, say, you know, hey, this is not a situation I'm comfortable with um, you know, and being able to talk to other groups. Uh, well, it gets louder and louder in here, doesn't it? <coughs> Sounds like someone's eating the microphone. Someone is so, very excited yes. to announce their, <laughs> their awards. Well, now what was I saying? I was talking about uh, stress or something, wasn't I? The stress, stress of and well-being. The stress like of the booming voice coming down yeah. from above wiped out whatever you were saying to me. Yeah, and now it's now it's thrown me off. Now I've forgotten what I was saying. <laughs> oh my goodness we're falling apart in hour 10 here alex um the last session that i wanted to talk about and we can spend some time on this this is the afternoon keynote today disaster by choice how our actions create disasters from hazards uh, there's a growing aspect or growing voice wow my goodness. someone's very excited <laughs> my goodness we will, we will yeah. give them a minute to calm down with their own yes voice. yeah hopefully the uh, microphone goes off soon it's a lot of work for a set of someone want a set of wine glasses yeah um <laughs> So there's a growing voice in our field. Um, Sam Montano is one of them. I know you've, you've, you've spoken to her that there's no such thing as natural disasters, right? That there are natural hazards. We make them disasters as people uh, willingly putting ourselves in harm's way yeah so what do you what do you think of that this title how our actions create disasters from hazards well i i find it interesting that to just to build on something you just said if you have an earthquake in the middle of you know, let's you could actually have an earthquake in the middle of canada where there's basically nobody um an earthquake is considered a disaster if you have an earthquake in Vancouver, it's a different disaster, but it's the same scenario. It's just, I, th I think what, what seems to classify disaster is the uh, amount of people and impacts involved to everything that's around, around us. And if we build in, um, you know, 
flood zones, then we are contributing to our, our own situations. You know, and if, if I build a, a house on the top of a cliff and there's a storm and my house goes into the ocean, well, you know, <laughs> I am creating my own situation. And that's why insurance companies are getting it. Like you said yesterday, I believe it was, or earlier today, getting out of the, the uh, disaster, for lack of a better term, disaster insurance uh, industry, because so much is happening. And then with climate change as well, places that weren't uh, getting storms are now getting storms, but it's all happening because of things we're doing. So we're, we are kind of setting ourselves up for all these disasters that are, that are occurring. Yeah, I'm glad you delineate, delineated between um, people like myself who choose to live in Florida and, and willingly put ourselves in harm's way. And like you said, fluke things that happen, uh, a volcano erupts in Iowa, which has never happened in the history of recorded time. There's certainly a difference. We're not trying to... I'm glad you made that distinction between the two groups, but I do find it interesting, this growing voice of natural, there's no such thing as a natural disaster. There's natural hazards. I like that. I'm glad that that was discussed today. There's uh, one um, last topic we were going to get to here. And as you know, I went way into the weeds on this, so we're not going to do that in the interest of time, but some of you may be familiar. There's a <clears throat> cryptocurrency exchange called FTX mm. that has had uh, a very bad week. Let's very say. Bad. So I would yeah. say last week, you know, they were estimated to be worth $36 billion. Now they're, you know, worth, um, I don't know, three cents in my half cup of tea. And we don't want to talk about, we don't have time to talk about what went wrong there. Uh, but I thought it would be interesting if we looked at this situation from the aspect of crisis communications. Uh, the CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, has been very transparent of what happened in real time on Twitter. Most of these tweets are now deleted. But as we always know, if something's on the Internet it's once... It's there forever. It's there forever. And he was very... Um, I want to compare and contrast this maybe with what the Secretary General of NATO stated with uh, the missile, where he's like, oh, it's an accident. I blame Russia. So uh, Sam Bankman fried took the other tact where he was very open and honest. But unfortunately for him and his investors, too open and honest. He publicly admitted that his company and all of these are going to be direct quotes that his company got overconfident and careless. Uh, he mentioned that multiple times. He said, I was on the cover of every magazine. My company was the darling of Silicon Valley, uh, and it allowed me to be overconfident and careless. He went on to say two days before the company imploded that the company was fine and that it was just a temporary liquidity crunch. So now there are, um, even though cryptocurrency is not regulated mm -hmm. there are lawsuits there are investigations there's going to be all kinds of fallout from a crisis comms standpoint so here's an example for me i thought it was interesting the nato secretary general 
took no responsibility, blamed everyone else, couldn't care less. Here we have, which is a bad way of running your crisis communications. Here, I think we have the other extreme in a negative situation where we have the CEO of a company say, at first, nothing's wrong. So deny, 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 which is a classic tactic. Yep. And then take too much blame and say, yep, it was all a smokescreen. We knew it was all going to fall apart. And uh, we fell off a cliff. And now that everybody else is involved with it, that there's football players, actors, musicians that are all involved with the same thing. And now they're being brought into this and they're being sued. So then this is just growing. You know, and what are they going to say? Oh, uh, um, um, you know, they're going to stumble over their words because probably they made some millions themselves. Uh, And really, what? How can they defend themselves? The the communications that are going to come out are going to be literally all over the place, and they're going to start blaming. So they're going to go from somebody who's being open and giving too much information to all of a sudden a big blame game is going to be happening. Because I can just see it now. Well, if you guys knew something was going on, then uh, why did you invest? You know, uh, well, I invested because you said everything was fine. You know, I can just see everyone pointing fingers back and forth at each other now. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the celebrities and athletes who endorsed FTX. Because I think that's going to be really interesting uh, for our audience in the United States. FTX ran a ton of commercials during the Super Bowl which is the most watched broadcast outside of ours Uh, in the United (laughs) States. There were some very famous celebrities and very famous uh, U.S.-based athletes who did FTX commercials, who endorsed FTX, who spoke about FTX, who shared um, posts and opinions about them on social media. They, I think, are going to get some brand damage because they uh, endorsed something that imploded yeah. in a spectacular fashion. And people understand the difference between CEO and pitchman, but you still chose to align yourself with an organization where it looks like billions of dollars of people's money just went away. Yeah, And I think there's going to be some negative consequences, to your point, for those pitchmen, for those celebrities, for those athletes. And it'll be interesting to see if they use crisis communication firms to distance themselves, we've certainly seen in the last few years some very media savvy athletes and actors who, when they get in trouble, we all know the ones who are shooting from the hip and the ones mm-hmm. who use professional crisis communications companies. I think it'll be interesting in the next week or so to see if any of those people who endorse FTX get their own crisis comms companies to hopefully try and spin some of this in a yep. little positive manner for them. Yeah. They're good. They, they've got to protect their own brand. They're not going to get a movie title. They're not going to get a new record deal. They're not going to get a hit single, you know, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. They're going to be impacted by this. And they're going to get dragged through the mm-hmm. mud and it's not going to be good for their own brand um, down the road. And uh, you know, they're going to try, like you say, distance themselves. I can just see it. So for any of those athletes or actors whose name is about to be dragged through the mud, uh, when you go on your apology tour, if you want to be on preparing for the unexpected with Alex Folick, 
to talk about when things go wrong. I'm sure he could fit you into his very busy schedule. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> Alex, let's do a quick recap. Yeah. If we can, we're at uh, coming up at hour nine and a half. I would love to do a recap of, of our guest and our sponsors, yes. if that's okay with you. So yesterday, our uh, sponsors were Stone Road, Base Camp Connect, and Illuminate Advisory. We had uh, Kevin Newman as yeah. our kickoff keynote speaker. As we mentioned, we're regretting not getting a, 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 a selfie with him. Yeah, I would have loved to have had a picture, someone take a picture of the so three we of might, us. Hopefully someone took a picture of that. We had Francis Raveno come in and speak with us in the morning. A lot of interesting conversations around drone mm -hmm. and search and rescue that yep. I hadn't thought about. Quiva uh, Culleton from HPE gave us some great insights into the global aspects of our profession um, today. And brought us chocolates. And brought us chocolate shamrocks from Dublin. They are almost gone. They, it's, they <laughs> you know, we got a few minutes left. They might survive. Um, today, our, our sponsors were Illuminate Advisory stone road and our friends at the resilience think tank congratulations to resilience think tank co-founder mark hoffman who just won a bci award global consultants of the year congratulations, congratulations to mark. Him. Uh, he actually knew he was nominated for the award <laughs> and knows what award he won unlike my co-host alex Fullick. who was clueless <laughs> our uh, that's what i love this is so much fun being live we had some great guests today. Chloe Domrovsky, the head of the DRI. Uh, it was such a pleasure to, to speak with her and, and break some news about DRI changing their professional practices mm -hmm. in the months to come. I'm glad she was able to share that with us. Uh, Brock, who showed up on three hours of sleep, and he had a huge, huge Starbucks coffee, which I don't blame him. Uh, thank you to him for waking up at 2 a.m., to get here We're flying here Toronto. from uh, Winnipeg yeah and then uh the most fun I had today unexpectedly with Regina Phelps was not expecting <laughs> to learn not that I don't think Regina is a fun person but uh to learn how she makes people cry to have her make faces on the camera pleasure in that <laughs> and uh you know Regina has become very well known the last three years because as she said she has worked in the pandemic space for the last 27 years. She is the, the, the in me, in my mind, the foremost expert on uh, pandemics that I know. So it was great to be able to talk to her, not about pandemic, but yeah. about cybersecurity, her thoughts on ransomware, uh, just fantastic, very insightful. We want to certainly thank Dan Joyce and the team at Continuity and Resilience yep. today for putting on an amazing conference, for allowing us to broadcast here in the exhibit hall, April Joyce, for all of the social media uh, that she created for us, all of the sponsors we had, all of the exhibitors and advertisers that came by. Thank you to my friends for letting me borrow a Frisbee for 10 minutes <laughs> That's right. yes that made me happy 
um, all the participants, all the speakers, everyone who contributed to the success of this event and contributed to the success of our broadcast. We are appreciative of all of you and we thank all of you. Yes, thank you, everyone. I echo everything that uh, James has just said. Um, it's been a pleasure being here. Great seeing everybody. Um, getting some comments on LinkedIn as well. And apparently Shane Matthews thinks I look younger each time. So which is a, a great thing. Uh, thank you very much, Shane. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, we should probably end on that, James. You know, uh, end a little bit earlier and uh, have a little snack over there. Absolutely. I want to wrap up with one story really quick. I think it was in May or June, Alex and I were talking and we kind of came up with this convoluted idea of what if we go to Toronto and we partner with Voice America and we broadcast at a conference. And I want to thank you uh, being my partner in this ad adventure, helping us make this happen. Huge thank you to Voice America. You guys kept us on. Well, I wouldn't say you kept us on task. That's our fault. <laughs> but uh, you helped us out so much. Your humor has been appreciated in the chat all day today. So thank you, Alex, for making this happen, for believing in us. And I can't wait to see what we do next. Uh, we do have some things uh, that might be happening. So stay tuned for some announcements. And uh, yeah, big thanks to Voice America, uh, Dee and Aaron and Josh, uh, especially for making things happen for us here. So uh, on that note, James, thank you very much for uh, joining me here and being a part of this and sharing all your ideas and thoughts. It's great to have you here. Um, now we uh, have to pack up and uh, go to a hockey game. We do have to go to a hockey game. And on that note, stay prepared, everybody. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>